Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Danny Wexelman with Adam Barry, who covers the Pirates for MLB.com. He is on his way out of town, but before we let him go and get on with vacation, which you deserve very much, we're going to talk a little uh, GM meetings, some Adam Frazier uh, shortstop, Rick Eckstein, and Corey Dickerson. Adam, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Of, well, thank you for having me. I think I think it's kind of like our podcast, right? It's like both of ours. Are we more co-hosts? Is that a fact? Yeah, it's more your podcast, honestly, than mine. I'm just here to ask you the questions. I'm setting you up. You're you're the talent. You're you're everything. That's the first time anybody's <laughs> ever called me talented. Thank you. Yes, yes. All right. Well, Mr. Talented, uh, what do you have to say? What do you know about the GM meetings? They're going on right now in California, and it's kind of a precursor for the winter meetings. Um, I know um, it wasn't always a place where deals got done or or trades were made, but I do think it's a place where foundation is made for the winter meetings or just for the off season in general to kind of work on those deals. So what do, what are you hearing out of Pirates Camp? Yeah, groundwork is probably the uh, the go to word at the general managers meetings. I'm not out there this year, but I've covered them plenty in the past. Uh, you generally see GMs get together and talk mostly about who's available. You know, who are you willing to part with? Who are you willing to move? What are you looking for? It's generally more team-to-team activity than it is, you know, team-to-agents. Uh, and the Pirates seem to be more likely to get involved in the free agent market. So this may not be a particularly interesting general managers' meetings for them, uh, but it is laying that groundwork for the winter meetings where they uh, probably do need to make a couple of moves. It does, uh, you know, make for availability to media of 30 general managers or 29 since the uh, Orioles are now still looking for one. And, you know, they kind of set up their off-season needs, things they might be looking for. Uh, and in the Pirates case, Neil Huntington pretty much confirmed uh, something that we've been talking about here the last couple of weeks, that shortstop is an area that they will explore, uh, you know, despite kind of their belief in rookie Kevin Newman. Uh, you know, he said Jordan Luplo is a guy who could, uh, you know, fill in for Gregory Polanco while he's recovering to start the season in right field. Uh, and he talked a little bit about their uh, potential need for a left-handed reliever. They only have two left-handed pitchers on their entire 40-man roster right now, closer Felipe Vasquez and uh, Stephen Brault, who's kind of a long reliever, ideally. Uh, so, you know, Neil kind of joked that this is his 12th offseason as Pirates GM, and it's his 12th consecutive offseason looking for a left-handed reliever uh, to make his <laughs> manager's life easier. So whether or not he actually goes and gets one, we'll see. You know, he said they'll explore all the markets, minor league free agency, trades, uh, major league free agency. They tried really hard uh, last year to get somebody. But, you know, I, I listed four guys in a story on the site today who fell through. Josh Smoker, Kevin Segrist, Eni Romero, and Buddy Boshear. So they are looking for a little bit better luck and a higher hit rate uh, on the lefty relief market. Uh, this off season. Okay. All right. Awesome. And there's a couple other things like you just mentioned that they are looking to either fill or kind of give a facelift, things like that. You just featured Adam Frazier this week in a story on MLB.com, really spotlighting his versatility and the importance of his ability to play every day, fill some gaps left by Josh Harrison, Jordy Mercer. Are we going to see him slot in at leadoff and earn that starting role on the infield. I could certainly see him as the everyday leadoff hitter. You know, when he was in the lineup for the most part last season, he was uh, the leadoff guy. He has the contact ability. You know, he can hit for a little bit of surprising power. He gets on base. 
He just needs to find that position that he's going to play every day. Right now, second base makes the most sense because, like you said, Josh Harrison is gone. He can slide right in there. But with Gregory Polanco's timetable still being kind of uncertain, maybe he can bounce out to right field. The Pirates could go with Kevin Kramer uh, at second base. That's something Neil Huntington mentioned at the GM meetings. And there's also like a really interesting class of free agent second baseman out there, uh, you know, top heavy guys, but also, you know, some potential bounce back guys like Brian Dozier or, uh, you know, Neil Walker, maybe as Drupal Cabrera, somebody along those lines who could, or Daniel Descalso, somebody who could come in, fill that role for a little while, and then maybe bounce to a utility role when Frazier moves back into second base. So that does give them a little bit of flexibility this offseason to either pursue a second baseman or an outfielder to fill in while Polanco is recovering. It, it just frees them up and it you know gives Neil Huntington a little bit of, at the very least, leverage where he can say, no, we don't need a second baseman. We're looking for an outfielder. And he can say, no, we don't need your outfielder agent. We're looking for a second baseman. So it, it kind of works to their advantage, you know, the fact that Frazier has proved ready for some kind of everyday role. We just don't know where it's going to be yet. Okay, and, and another p- spot we're looking at on the infield is right next to it, shortstop. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jordy Mercer uh, played that position. And you mentioned Kevin Newman, but let's also mention Cole Tucker. And I think from what from what you've said and what I've read, they're not quite ready for, for everyday play. And, and I think Neil Huntington said that you know the game is a lot quicker um, up here and they're not they're not quite up to speed but defense is something that the pirates are looking to improve they had pretty dismal rankings last year in some categories i saw so where do they look internally if not Newman or Tucker or externally um, Mark Feinstein talked about Jose Iglesias being mm-hmm. a potential fit uh, for the pirates what do you think Adam Yeah, I think Iglesias is probably the ideal free agent fit because he's a really good defender with some offensive upside, as you saw last year to a certain extent. I think among free agent shortstops, only Manny Machado had a higher wins above replacement total last season. So that's a guy who could potentially come at a high cost, but would definitely fill that need there. Uh, It could be somebody like Freddie Galvis, uh, who had a good season in San Diego. He's played 162 games each of the last two years with pretty solid defense. It could be a uh, noted former pirate, Adani Hechevarria, who spent about three weeks in Pittsburgh between stops in Tampa Bay and New York. Those are kind of glove first guys who could upgrade that infield defense that you mentioned was a pretty severe weakness last season. So, you know, if it's not going to be Kevin Newman, I don't think it's going to be at least on opening day because, like you said, you know, the game sped up on him last uh, at the end of last season. We saw it. He did not necessarily look ready to play that everyday role. Cole Tucker is probably still a year away. Uh, so you don't necessarily want to bog yourself down with a, like a long-term two or three year deal for a shortstop because you want to keep the, the seat warm for Cole Tucker, so to speak. So some of those free agents could potentially be had on a one-year deal or a two-year deal where you front load it and then move them to the utility role next season. Uh, but those are the kind of guys that I think they're looking at. It should be a defense first position because they have, the hitters necessary at the top of the lineup. This is probably going to be a guy who bats eighth and, you know, you're going to get a boost there batting in front of the pitcher. So uh, it's going to be an interesting spot because there's also potentially some guys who will be on the trade market that we don't know about right now who might fill that need as well. So kind of a wait and see thing, but we do know that they are in the market for a shortstop. Okay. All right. So we keep our eyes on that and Neil Huntington keeps all his eyes on that as well. Next, Adam, 
finally, Rick Eckstein named the new hitting coach for the Pirates. And you had a chance to, to talk to him. There weren't many people who, who've had that opportunity. What can you tell us about him, his style? He said that something that he kind of is paying attention to is contact point and how hard that guys are hitting the ball. So that's something that he's going to focus on. What's your take on Rick Eckstein? Yeah, Neil Huntington uh, called him a student of the modern philosophy of hitting, which sounds very Zen, first of all, but it's more just kind of a reflection of who Eckstein is and the way that he views his job, which is, you know, very much the way that he came up. He has this sort of exercise science, kinesiology, biomechanics background. So he views hitting as more than just a swing. It's about the full body and getting yourself in position to hit that contact point uh, that you mentioned. And then obviously getting yourself in position, you know, with kind of the way we view hitting now, thanks to StatCast and high-speed cameras and motion capture and all that about launch angle, about putting yourself in the best position to impact the ball and hit for power without also sacrificing contact. So, you know, you're not that all or nothing game that kind of people have simplified baseball into being now from a hitting perspective. He doesn't necessarily think that he thinks that you can do both. If you will, he, you know, you don't have to sacrifice power for contact. You don't have to sacrifice contact for power. Um, but it was a really interesting conversation I had with him. It's all in the story on the site about, you know, yes, his background. Check that out. Yes, Please go sure. read that. And just sort of the way that he, you know, views each hitter as unique and you have to coach them accordingly because each hitter's body is unique. And look, you know, five, five foot 10 Adam Frazier is going to generate power differently than six foot four Josh Bell. That's just the way it works. So you can preach, you know, organizational philosophies and approaches but you have to coach each hitter on an individual level. And it just seems like the way that he was brought up and the way that he's kind of taught himself, he's very well equipped to, you know, go about instilling that and, you know, doing it with data and uh, working collaboratively with, you know, the strength and conditioning staff and, you know, looking for kind of the cutting edge. He's involved in an organization that is, you know, literally dedicated to the study of how baseball and softball players move. So it's kind of an interesting hire, different than the traditional, you know, chop wood, you know, get in the batting cage hitting coach. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays uh, with the Pirates because they have some young guys who are still trying to figure out who they are at this level as hitters. And you kind of like this guy who's going to approach it on an individual level to kind of help them figure it out. So it's a really interesting conversation. I think it'll be interesting to see the impact that he has on these hitters uh, next season. Yeah, and, and you said it so simply. You made it sound like such a simple comment. Every guy is different, so they should be treated differently and coached differently. But but it, it seems like that's not necessarily the case across baseball. So while the Pirates look to um, kind of put a voltage in their defense, they're also looking to do the same with their offense and compete in the NL Central because, as I've talked about with with all, all of you guys in this division, um, it seems like every year – the, the NL Central just gets better and better uh, between the Pirates and the Cubs and the Cardinals. Um, those three teams especially um, just are a force to be reckoned with. So hopefully Rick Eckstein can take some of this new wave, new edge um, thinking he's got and, and maybe give the Pirates the one-up that, that they've been looking for. Uh, and then Corey Dickerson. Adam, Corey Dickerson, we talked about him last week, and we weren't sure or not if he would win that gold glove, but you just talked about it. And it was so, man, it was so 
cool to hear you talk about what he said and how important this was to him. And there was no other award that was more important um, to get back in to the elite level of defense this game that we see from this game. And, and he earned his very first gold glove um, and, and kind of spoke on that. But um, what, did, what did you hear from him and what did you kind of see from the baseball world about that? Yeah, it was cool to see him on the telecast that ESPN did handing out the awards because, you know, they had him, I guess, probably shortly after they told him that he won. And the first thing he said was not, you know, I'm so happy. I'm so proud. He called it satisfying, which I think really speaks to who he is and the work that he put in, not just last year, but dating back to, you know, the end of 2015 or 2016, that he was tired of being this guy who everyone said he could hit, but he can't play defense. You know, he didn't want to just not make errors in left field. He wanted to make the plays that everyone else was making. And he really dedicated himself to that. You know, he got designated for assignment by the Rays for really no reason in February. He wound up with the Pirates. You know, that was definitely a blow to his ego. So he came in, he put in all the work. Uh, you know, he proved a lot of people wrong, and he has not been hesitant to say that he proved a lot of people wrong, because he did. You know, there was no denying that he came over here with a bad defensive reputation, and he went out there and he turned himself into an elite gold glove defender. You know, when you look at the advanced metrics that they used to uh, to calculate the award, he was fourth among all National League players in that uh, Sabre metric behind, like, DJ LeMay, Hugh Colton, Wong, and Nick Ahmed. Just, he has put himself in another class of defender and you really, you know, it's a credit to his hard work first and foremost, but also to the pirates for believing in the guy going out and getting him in spring training and saying, this job is yours. That was something he mentioned after the award is that Neil Huntington and Clint Hurdle brought him into the office and said, you're going to play every day. We're not going to double switch you out. We might even double switch you in. This is your job. Run with it. And he absolutely did. I love that. That's a great story and just a really good role model uh, because this baseball is not an easy game. It's not easy in any way, shape, or form. And for him to, you know, I kind of like that he was like, I'm going to do me. I obviously want the team to win, but there's just something when you ask guys, you know, what's your goal for the year? What's something personal you want to work on? A lot of times they just give you very generic answers, very team-oriented answers. But right. I just love that he, he knew that this was something he wanted to achieve and work on, and now he's satisfied. And now he's probably hungry for more. It probably helps motivate him. But I kind of love that he was like, this is about me, and I need to work on me. So it's, good on you. It's kind of a funny story, too. At the end of the season, one of the last days in Cincinnati, you know, he talked about, I can get better defensively next year. There are some areas I can work on. I already know it. And then... Uh, Robbie Ansmikowski, the sideline reporter for uh, AT&T Sportsnet, said, well, hey, it's going to be hard to improve on a gold glove. And he did not miss a beat right away, immediately said, well, there's a platinum glove. So like that just <laughs> kind of gives you a little bit of an insight into Corey Dickerson's mindset. He's constantly looking to improve. And I think if he can put that same uh, you know, work ethic and focus into basically all areas of his game this offseason, you know, he'll be back and really be an impact player for Pirates in left field and somewhere in the middle of the lineup next year. All right. All right. So the Pirates are off and running and, and they're already making waves to improve for next year. Adam Barry, I love getting to chat with you. I'm so glad you're going on vacation. You get a little time with you and your fam just to recharge the batteries, man. So thank you so much for your time and your insights. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. With Adam Barry, I'm Danny Wexelman. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. 